I'm a psychologist by profession. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I undergoing the training to become inyanga. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I, I often struggle with this terminology, mm-hmm. traditional healer. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's a term. It's a terminology that I'm beginning to include in my vocabulary. Uh huh. Um, as part of my identity, as I describe myself. Another part of it, I'm a preacher. Oh wow. Uh, a Methodist preacher. Uh huh. If where I stand with regards to that, by now uh-huh. in my training, it's quite interesting. But I still identify with some Christian values mm-hmm. and as a preacher mm-hmm. that that's that's part of who am I um, I'm queer oh wow so <laughs> it's even more interesting <laughs> yeah. okay. so psychologist preacher traditional healer you everything queer <laughs> multiple identities and intersections um, uh-huh. that I use to define who am I as a person so Anel is not just one thing oh yeah so it's- my preaching started since so after my when I was when I was undergoing my process of wanting to check what exactly I want to become. Mm-hmm. At one stage, I had this kind of strong divine spirit. I wanted to offer for ministry mm-hmm. to be a Methodist minister. Mm. So I and I went through that process, and I my minister then said to me, "Well, you're still very young for this thing." Yeah. Just go and live life. Mm-hmm. And also one of the things that made him to say, nah, just go and live life. He knew that I'm queer. So he knew that would kind of destabilize the space. Yes. So the, the thing that I needed to do was just to become a preacher then. So I studied um, basic theology, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a two-year course. It was through Theological Extension College. Mm-hmm. Then I then offered as a full-time um, min, um, sort of... Um, preacher in the ministry mm-hmm. so I preached since then mm-hmm. 2013 to date my last sermon was in September this year mm. so it has been a very interesting journey and how my church community accepted me mm-hmm. or either tolerated me by the way yeah because they don't have a choice <laughs> they don't have a choice mm. but my I've been very active in in in, in church as a preacher Mm-hmm. As a member of the Methodist, I also sit in one of the highest body structures that is called the Doctrine, Ethics and Worship Committee. Mm-hmm. That is JUCOM that regulates ethics and theology and doctrines and all of that. Mm-hmm. So my world of spirituality in terms of preaching and theology is quite well vested. And now I'm very much entrenched in African spirituality. So my preaching at the moment is mostly drawn and influenced by... African theology, African epistemologies, cosmologies, and all of those kind of things. But it's 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 an easy terrain for me. It's not as difficult as how people assume it is. Can you explain further? Because now you're talking about African spirituality, African cosmologies, and now with the Methodist, we all know, you know, it's all the Jesus Christ and <laughs> their doctrine. Well, you know, my church is quite interesting. I mm. mean, um, in the space where I find, where we find, I think. The Methodist Church is progressive. I mean, we've got a female bishop, mm. uh, bishop um, presiding bishop, um, Purity Malinga, mm. who's a female, who's also very strong in African spirituality. spirituality. Mm-hmm. So the Methodist Church is, is, is very broad in a sense that there's one of the biggest, what we call it mission pillars, which is one of them is spirituality. Yeah. And one of those pillars under that mm-hmm. 
speaks about African spirituality. Mm -hmm. That is a different sense of how African people make sense of their realities in terms of theology, mm -hmm. how they make sense of God, mm -hmm. how they make sense of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there are big debates. There are those ones who are for the black Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and the Methodist Church, again, has got prominent people like Stanley Mokhoba and many others mm -hmm. who are for black consciousness and all of that. Yes. So for me, my stand is my church does speak to African spirituality, mm -hmm. does create a space for African realities mm -hmm. that is it means that you can prepare your uh, spiritual engagements using upatla mm -hmm. and the use of impepo and all of those things they are there in mm -hmm. writing mm -hmm. so if you know church polity and church regulations and everything that has been discussed as progression in terms of how the methodist church has landed into that the reason why I'm still able to exercise my calling mm -hmm. in the way that I do, mm -hmm. it is because my church does speaks to that. However, I'm aware that the dominant narrative amongst congregants, yes. they still have the pure Jesus who's undiluted. Mm -hmm. I understand how my calling and how my practice destabilizes the space, the space because I'm then deemed as one that contaminates the space. Because ancestors, mm. they are understood differently in the christian community yes and i understand ancestors are called demonic and all of yes, that yes but for me i think when i'm cool i would not have been spiritually strong and mature yeah had it not been for the christian principles that i use i mean simple principles of how sometimes you need to preserve your your energy you need to be clean fasting and all of those things mm -hmm. are spiritual disciplines yeah yes so that they help me on how to engage with the ancestral world and when i speak about african cosmology i mean of the fact that there's a constant ever growing conversation between the dead and the living yes and for me through the dead and the living is that my ancestors are of god and they are with god yes however then one would then ask me where does jesus stand in the process yes is part of the game. Uh, looking at what, what psychology means, because I'm also learning, it's quite interesting because I've seen that most of our part is uh, our role as traditional healers. We actually doing part of psychology because oh, yes. we have to work with mm. how the person thinks and how to make them understand better. Mm. Because mm. now, as the definition it means, it says it's a science and mind, uh, the science of mind and behavior in understanding the properties of the brain so i'm trying to teach myself i know you know that part <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so now uh, i would say neuroscience faculty if that's that's what it means mm. so this includes the conscious and unconscious experience of someone mm. then there's indigenous psychology that you mentioned mm. that is what actually caught my attention because i never heard of that mm. so i had to go and look and oh wow he's saying something i've never heard of mm. so they say it's defined as a scientific study of human behavior or mind that is native and is designed for its people meaning examining knowledge skills and people's beliefs Yo, please school me. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, uh, um, as I've said, that the origins of psychology are very Western and Eurocentric in their nature. Mm -hmm. And if you think back of the history of psychology, is that Freud and the rest of his people, the, the essence of it, what 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 Freud was interested in, 
was the unconscious mind. Yes. And he's the father who created all of this beautiful discipline mm -hmm. and science of looking at how the mind and the brain and everything else happens in that way. Mm -hmm. So there was Freud and many others who then started writing about that. I mean, there's Melan Klein mm -hmm. who writes about the psychology or the unconscious mind of, of an infant, mm -hmm. who the one who writes about um, early object relations, what I'll explain those words, what they mean, mm -hmm. and many others. Mm -hmm. So they were from that school that taps into the unconscious mind, mm -hmm. that which is very hard to tap into. Mm -hmm. but. They theorized, they wrote, and Freud was criticized for what he's missing, but he was more interested on the crazy side of things, like the neurotics of the brain, the, the psychosocial stages of development, when Freud, Freud speaks about all of these crazy ideas that mm. an infant from as early as young, they are sexual beings, mm -hmm. and many other kind of things around that. Now, Freud gave us one perspective of how the unconscious mind which is broadly defined under what we call psychoanalytic psychology. Mm -hmm. Psychoanalysis, the mm -hmm. study of the mind and the brain. Back in the days they used to use the couch, mm -hmm. this analysis process, mm -hmm. this psychoanalysis and all of these other things that came out of, out of that. Mm -hmm. Now there's one person then which then said, Freud, this is good enough, but there's one part that we are missing. Freud focused on the mind mm -hmm. and the brain. Mm -hmm. He missed the spirit and the soul. Mm -hmm. Then now came um, who, this name is just in my head, it's, it's gonna come back. Then this guy said, no Freud, you're getting this thing wrong. Mm. Um, that he, he spoke of the collective unconscious mind. Um, Carl Jung. Yeah, Carl Jung. Yes, mm -hmm. he spoke to the spirit and the soul mm -hmm. that a human being is not just limited to what you think yeah there's no doubt that what you say is correct yes however Carl Jung then spoke of the collective unconscious that we carry the consciousness mm -hmm. and the unconsciousness of those who are around us mm -hmm. and Jung is not even a South African right mm -hmm. or an African for that matter mm -hmm. but he helped us to understand that beyond this construct of the brain mm -hmm. and the mind mm -hmm. there's the soul and the spirit and that, that's, that's how he helped us to understand the broadness of psychology. Mm -hmm. And that's where the feature of spirituality comes in that human beings are not just scientific beings, mm -hmm. but they are conscious beings that are also influenced by the spirit world. Mm -hmm. Now, time went. Then you've got people like um, Chabai Mangani, mm -hmm. uh, Professor Kopano Ratele, mm -hmm. Professor Mkize, and many other African scholars who said, mm -hmm. No, we've always had this, but perhaps the difference with us, the language was different. Mm. We don't have theories, mm. but we've got worldviews and tools mm. of how to understand the mind mm -hmm. and the brain. Mm -hmm. And that's when uh, the school of indigenous psychology came about. Then we've got Franz Fanon. Um, and all of these other guys who wrote about power discourses and knowledge and all everything else like that to help us understand how they call the native mind works. Mm -hmm. It's a discipline in the school of thought that is scientific on its own. But the difference is, Nkuli, mm -hmm. our science is not in writing. 
It's oral exactly. tradition. Yes. It has not been proven in theory. Mm -hmm. It has not been written about. Mm -hmm. And some people like Manganyes and Professor Noyes and Bukes and them Kieses mm -hmm. are trying to prove and put legitimacy of how the native or the black mind works. Yes. Hence for me, as a psychologist today, mm -hmm. I'm able to write about what a decolonized psychology looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm not discarding what the dominant psychology has taught us what psychology is. Mm -hmm. But I'm of the view that in particular to South Africa, we have our own realities that have helped us to construct, understand and make meaning of what trauma is. Mm -hmm. We understand what a diagnosis is. We understand what um, all of these other concepts of psychology mean. But we use that through a lens of how our psychologies are. So th that's that's what it is. So if I look and tap into the spiritual world now of what you mentioned of Abokobela and Izangomi Nyangin, people who are in that space, a psychologist by it's an innate gift. Yeah. I always say to my Kobela, I'm surprised at how she does psychology without even her knowing. Yeah. I mean, the ability to interpret yes. what seems so obscure yeah. and meaningless mm. and interpret to someone and yes. it makes sense to that person, that's psychology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so amazing the messages you get. However, I, I always say to her, you do need to be able to transcend beyond that because you can only go as far as with that. I mean, the emotions that come with the processes that you carry. Mm. I mean, the energies, the, it's all psychological. Mm. So, in Yang and people who are gifted, there's so much psychology in that before, in the process and after the process. Yes. I mean, again, I categorize these things as psychological. There's the, 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 there's the cognitive, that is the what is happening with your memory, concentration, attention, and all of the, the there's some a part even from my experience I realized before Genzi Fumagu felt like I'm going crazy here. Because mm. my memory was gone. Mm -hmm. I could only recall short-term memory kind of things briefly, but I would have long-term memories mm -hmm. that I can recall. Concentration, attention was horrible. There were physical symptoms, I would get ill, I had temporal lobe epilepsy, mm. that was medically explained, but they couldn't find what exactly was going on when I would have epileptic seizures. Mm -hmm. I would literally sick. Mm -hmm. I was admitted in psychiatric hospital because they thought I'm bipolar. Yeah. And all to realize there's no bipolar here, this yeah, person is just going through hecticness <laughs> of life and all of that. Yeah. So there are a lot of these other I can categorize in the way of how I think about it as a psychologist. Yes. And I realized this is so much psychology in it. Mm. And so with everything else that happens spiritually, mm. you're then able to say as a psychologist, no man, later this, is, this was not just purely medical. Mm. There was a, a level of consciousness that was raised. Yes. And Uktwasa and spiritual gift is very unconscious. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think Zangoma and Inyang get in because they tap into that deep-seated core mm. of unconsciousness mm -hmm. that nobody else can deal with it. 
and it is that consciousness for me the, the, where, the other part that now makes Kalium very relevant the collective unconscious and there's also this perception that many people when they start with their path as traditional healers based on gender or on the ancestor that the one is reincarnating affects their sexuality and behavioral <laughs> patterns how true is this in your experience what causes someone to be homosexual um wow you know one of the interesting studies i want to do which is i'll, I'll do it with you um to go to lapa or because you work with a lot of queer people yes we can get the answer through scientific studies mm -hmm. tracing from people's experiences of how they have experienced that mm -hmm. but superficially I can say through the process of reincarnation the likelihood is that you are likely to carry energies of two people whom when they present or when they surface mm -hmm. it will be the energy not necessarily sexual orientation yes like the the the, the terms or titles cool or gogo mm -hmm. it's energy driven more than sexual orientation yeah but the majority of people how they've made sense of that it seems as if as though when you are mkulu and you are a female you're lesbian automatically mm. or when you're a goko and you are a male figure and all of that then I always struggle what do we do with what do we do with trans people <laughs> right yeah who may oscillate between these gender identities mm -hmm. and sexual orientations so for me through the process of reincarnation I can say it's energy driven mm -hmm. a matter of sexual orientation is a different ball game it's how you've always felt mm -hmm. it's your way of being I got called I've always identified as gay right mm -hmm. so there's nothing wow for me now when I'm being referred to as Gogo I understand in that moment it's a matter of an energy of the person I exude in that moment and when I'm Kulu um, it's the person and the energy and the, the presence of that person that is masculine alpha energy and all of that comes with that that's how i've made sense of it so in our closing there's two things i want us to look at the african-centered psychology is it a movement or a cause let's say if someone wants to uh, get into that or is it something that you're planning for future because it sounds like it can benefit a lot of healers in their profession mm. and as well also uh, will we ever get there as traditional healers have proper structures that will align our sector professionally and be acceptable by the healthcare and science what is your advice for this sector to be part of the economy in, in, in contributing for job creation and skills transfer that's very interesting yes it's very loaded yeah so the first part for me african-centered psychology is a psychology that recognizes experiences and realities of the african people mm -hmm. that which i've highlighted um and again not over pathologizing but it's a it's a psychology that recognizes that there are these experiences that do not need necessarily what we use the dsm 
form and calling it ontological. So it's it, I don't call it a movement. It's a reality for me yeah. that then needs scholars like me and the rest of the people who are writing about that to say, let's bring legitimacy to this by writing, so that someone can have reference to say, what is this? What does it look like? How does it look like in practice? And how it looks like in practice is the way that of how I do it. On the other end, I think the regulation, this the Traditional Healers Act, I don't know what, of which year was that? Uh, 2008. 2008. Yes. There's that. That's part of regulation. Mm -hmm. But the problem about such things and acts, they forget that there are people who operate from a mood to mm -hmm. Mount Frey, yeah. who may not even know that there's something like this, right? So they, they know of, of, of it, but they don't know the actual antiquities of what that act means and what it means in reality. So if there could be boards like we have with the Health Professions Council of South Africa, yeah. that has code of ethics yeah. and holds Sangomas accountable for their ethics, mm -hmm. for their practice and understanding all of those things that we call do no harm mm -hmm. and all of those things, yes. you will be held accountable and liable for those things. Mm -hmm. So we need boards, um, we need um, councils that would speak on those things. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the Inyang and Zangomas are not as literate except for this generation yeah. it's a different ball game yeah but the old generation mm. they are not as literate as we are mm. so with us we there's a level of redemption mm. that if we can come together mm. think through mm. and stop this thing of working isolation yes but the other problem is that it's the issue of over commercialization yeah. is very commercialized in what sense? People make money out of it. It's no longer just a pure gift. Well, I understand people with the gift, they need survival. Mm. But as in more that people pay for the services, they're very ridiculous. I mean, on Instagram, the amount of kokos and mkulus, and I mean, even to advertise, <laughs> some lady wrote cleansing general access it's 1.3 and then she specified mm. for abortion and this 3.8 <laughs> who regulates those fees do you think they need to be regulated there should be some form like medical aids mm. yes medical aids have got different rates mm. but you know if you are these are the it's not going to change maungenu anele now we, we change from 500 to 1.5. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure even you as psychologists don't charge the same amounts. Yes, yes. Actually, you know? I was confronted by a friend of mine. <laughs> and I like, what? You charge 1.2? Like, yes, that's a general and fee in Sentin. And I'm sure that the psychologist she in, in city center won't charge in the same charge 750. You see? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for, for, for being part of this. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tobo. Right. <laughs>